All right. <laughs> As Ed laughs at you. Oh, no, no. All of you guys are actually relatively close to each other. <laughs> to back each in. other. Yeah. You're close to Ed, each other. Second place is got? hotly contested, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> wow. From up here, I can see second place is quite the uh, <laughs> battle. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we try to mutate faster than Mother Nature can tank us in Doomlings. Next up, can iconography replace language? We find out in Concept. And lastly, we're merciless entrepreneurs hell-bent on exploiting a newfound fishing bay in Fleet. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. It's game time. And Mike Grenier. Oh, I didn't see you there. Our first game up this week is Doomlings. Designed by Eric McCoy, Justice Meyer, Andrew Meyer, and Chris Svella. Published by McCoy and Meyer in 2021. Coming to Kickstarter March 2nd. Number of players, 2 to 6, ages 10 and up. Playtime, 20 to 45 minutes. Okay, Mikey. Tell us what is going to be in this box to be. The cover of Doomlings shows us a group of cute and bouncy blobs of various sizes and expressions celebrating as they usher in the end times. Fun! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Woohoo! Woohoo! Yay! It's coming! <laughs> Inside this Pandora's box, you'll find 15 catastrophe cards. 25 age cards, one birth of life, six gene pool tracking cards, 115 trait cards. And the game is still in prototype mode, and I'm told these numbers will be slightly pared down before release. But for now, that's what's in the box. Well, before we find out if we should get on board with this game. Evan, tell us how it's played. Doomlings is a hand management card game where players are basically gods to the Doomling species, which are cute little spheres with faces on them. They are cute. <laughs> there are four types of cards, as Mike alluded to. Gene pool cards, trait cards, ages cards, and catastrophe cards. Gene pool tells you how many doomlings you have at any given point of the game. The number will change throughout the game. Traits allow players to infuse these basic creatures with abilities and bonuses. Traits can make the doomlings more resilient, more adaptable, and in some cases, more mischievous. <laughs> the ages cards act as the timing mechanism for the game. At the end of each round, a new ages card is drawn, but among the ages cards are those catastrophe cards. There are three of them, and the third time a catastrophe card is drawn, that triggers the end of the game. The we're Doomlings doomed. with the yeah, <laughs> we're doomed. At least you always know how this game's going to end. The Doomlings <laughs> with the strongest set of traits gets to look at the apocalypse in the eye and declare, "I scored the most points." Before meeting <laughs> the ultimate end. Well, we did play this game as a prototype, uh, as, and we got to play it live at <laughs> Evan's house. Yeah. It's, in color. It should be on Kickstarter by the time you hear this. The release date is March 2nd, so you can grab this game if you want. Let's talk about whether they should. First up, I know, Mikey, you interviewed the designers of this game. Oh, yeah. They were so enthusiastic about it. 
They really wanted to hear our feedback on it. Um, they're still making a couple touch-ups to the game, but uh, ge- they're pretty locked on the general mechanics of the game and everything else. So uh, it looks like they're on a really good path to getting this thing out there. That interview was really interesting. It was with Eric McCoy and Justice Myers. I edited it, and I really enjoyed it while I was <laughs> editing it. So uh, you can check that interview out. It's one of our side quests, so you can listen to that too. Lots of fun stuff about oh the trials and tribulations of mm. game design. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a labor of love. What do we think of the look of this game, Evan? I like the colors, bold and bright and very easy to follow. A lot of primary colors, you know, based on some secondary colors too, but very vivid. And the artwork itself is also very clean, very simple. I found it very attractive. Mm. Yeah, I found a little the little blob were cute with the little expressions and a little little thick arms going, ah! <laughs> screaming and laughing and jumping up and down just waiting for your the demise of all living things yeah i feel like these guys don't necessarily know that that's what's coming i don't know you know these are the, the <laughs> well, types of the types of things that they are the types of creatures or mm-hmm. the types of traits that you can apply to these creatures right. they, they they don't seem like they're preparing for the end of the world <laughs> some of them like no. optimistic nihilism yeah that guy knows <laughs> apex predator doesn't care though he's ready no. to just munch away yeah yeah he knows he's gonna yeah kill or be killed he knows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well that's the whole point i mean you basically are starting with this you know empty vessel and you're putting all the traits into it that's why i called it kind of like this little god building game you get to <laughs> you get to create the creatures and what they do what they you know how they can basically interfere with other players mm-hmm. <laughs> as well because there's plenty of opportunity for that so what do you think of the lighthearted elements of this doomsday game, Mike? Well, from the straight from the designer's mouth, they knew they wanted to have a kind of heavy concept, but pare it down into something fun and for everybody, you know, so it's more, you know, it takes, it takes something scary and heavy and makes it funny and, and enjoyable and relatable. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I love that about it. It's a fairly quick game, right? The playtime 20 to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I would say ours, our game lasted on the longer side, but that's natural for us. Yeah, especially with the first time playthrough. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. first time playthrough. How about those rules, Ed? Yeah, well, it seems deceptively simple, and, and and it is a very simple concept for the game. But do we had a lot of arguments about um, certain rules because they were not really spelled out particularly clearly in the rule book, and then. The rule book, we're trying to read it as we we're going, and we're trying to get through the game quick. I gave it to Mikey, start reading, and then I'm like, what? And then we're double-checking <laughs> stuff, and, and then just shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then <laughs> the dreaded pile question. <laughs> <laughs> I asked them that question during yeah. the movie, too. All yeah. right, so w- set it up, Mike. Set it oh, up. Boy. What was the pile argument? All right, so this this argument comes up occasionally with us where, you know, I'm of the opinion that, if cards have been public at any time and they go into a pile like the discard pile or if they're on your play side of your of your table, if they're public, they should be able to be seen by anybody. Even if you stack them up, everybody should be able to look at them when they need to. And especially in a game like this where you are interacting with people's tableau and you're interacting with the, the discard pile as well, you should be able to at least see them. And on the flip side, on the flip side, the argument was 
<clears throat> hey, this is a pile. It says the word semantically. It says the word pile in the rule book. Mm-hmm. I yes. should be able to throw these cards out any way I want. And who says you can touch my cards? Mm-hmm. So when I had a pile down, I figured, all right, you see what you see. And that's all that you see. And that's what I said. You said tableau, Mike, but the rule book said pile. And that's why I got confused. Like, mm-hmm. if they want you to put out your cards in a way that people can see them, mm-hmm. tableau makes a lot more sense than putting your traits in play in a pile. Yeah, and I think that's more of a comment to what you were alluded to before, which is making very clear rules. When people that are super nerd game designers like us see the word pile versus tableau, you know, those two things mean something different Mm -hmm. in in the nitty-gritty of the design. Mm -hmm. Just in general, I would say as, you know, just in, in general language, they mean two different things. Yeah, right, true. And if you're going to depend, I mean, I think rule books have to be language dependent. They have to be specific to the descriptions of what right. words mean. Yeah. That makes translations of rule books kind of tricky sometimes, too, because the nuances of the different words kind of play differently when it's translated into a different language. So you need to have somebody who translates your game. And this is I know this is a little bit off track, but when you do have somebody translate your game, it is really helpful for them to have played the game a bunch of times and understand the way it's supposed to work. Makes a lot of sense. And the one thing about the piles is that there's many cards that ask you to search the pile or like you can grab a card from their gene pool pile or the mm. trait pile or the discard pile and that means you have to kind of shuffle through a lot of cards it makes it hard to keep like wow i can grab a card from any discard pile but what have people played and now you're wondering should i play this thing on my turn should i go through all the piles just to figure out if i should play this card do you think that encouraged too much stop and look i mean it I think it did for me. I mean, I no, no I tend to get on the like, <laughs> yeah. try to optimize the most power yeah. out of this card possible. Of course, so yeah. let me see the absolute best card I can dig up. And when you have these dumpster dives, as we like to call them, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I find that those can tend to slow the game down. Um, perhaps not by design. It's more of an unintended consequence. But if we mm-hmm. have to wait for Ed to go through the piles to find the card so he can calculate what the best one he needs, you know, that... And and this this game is not paced that way. It's really a more fast paced game. So I, yeah. I I found that to be kind of unfortunate. The other thing that makes it slow down a little bit, which is also one of its strengths, is that the cards are kind of simple in the way they work, but the interactions between the cards start snowballing as the game builds up, and now oh, yes. you have many things interacting with each other. So it's a it's mm-hmm. a it's a double edged sword. You know, if you want the game to be light and fast. You don't want to have those interactions be too complex. Mm-hmm. And it is an every man for himself game, right, Ev? Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, no allies in this game. You, <laughs> There yeah. can be only one at the end. I mean, we all meet the same fate, but whoever dies with the most you know, points, points yeah. <laughs> is right. the winner. I, it all, I think it also uh, touches on the pile um, idea that, that we were talking about just a bit ago in that... You're, because it is cutthroat, because you are definitely playing against your other players, you know, it shouldn't be easier for other players to have advantages like taking a look at, <laughs> at freely at other cards and things. It is supposed to be more of a, uh, you know, stop stop your opponents at no matter what and giving them less access to information, I think, is part of that. Yeah, but this comes down to the notebook rule for me, you know, if the if the knowledge is public... And it stays public, like out in a discard pile. You don't want me 
a guy who actually wants to pay attention to pull out a notebook and write down every card he's seen. And so in lieu of looking into the discard pile, you know what I mean? That's just, nope. You have to rely on your own brain. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Incorrect. I like your brain. (laughs) Yeah. It's not designed to be a memory game. I don't think. And that they kind of said that themselves on the interview. Mm -hmm. Did they? Okay. That's interesting. They spoke a lot about the fact that they wanted this game to be accessible to both uh, new players, players Mm -hmm. who didn't play deep gaming and deep gamers. But again, that's a fine line to walk. (laughs) Sure is. Um, couldn't escape the sense of chaos in this game. Mm-hmm. I I think it's on theme. Uh, you know, I I think it's meant to be thematically crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely is there. Yeah, it felt intentional to me too. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury doomlings. Mike, despite the luck of the draw aspect kind of trumping your strategy a little bit in this game, I had fun. It was light and breezy. Dig it up. Ed? I like the cute art of the Doomlings, and despite the rule question, it seems like a fairly good, light, and silly game. <laughs> I would play this again if it hit the table, but as a heavy gamer, it's not really something I would put in my collection for that reason, and continuing to, to bury it for now. Evan? Doomlings is one of those games that anyone can enjoy, both the light gamer and the serious competitor. They can ease into this game, as the designers intended. Despite the ominous title and backstory, the theme is light and fun. Dig it up. The thing I liked most about this game was the flexibility. You can work to become a very deep, good gamer at this, and you can enjoy it as a light, come-to-the-table-just-for-20-minutes type of game. So I'm going to dig it up for that reason. If you have thoughts about Doomlings, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, everybody. We just wanted to take a minute to invite you to become a supporter of this show. First off, we want to say thank you to all our patrons. And what is it that people get when they become a patron of our show? Well... The, the coolest thing you get is bonus points. <laughs> bonus points. That is a weekly podcast just for our patrons. And I feel like we're getting crazier on that show. <laughs> well, we're dipping our toe into sort of different areas. Perhaps not. A, we, we don't s- stick to strictly game topics. We can branch off into tangents and talk about other things that we might not we definitely won't normally speak about in our regular podcast. It's a different kind of insight into not only us, but into the larger world of gaming. <laughs> Usually it has one little tiny fingernail, at least in gaming somewhere like, or we can rationalize it at least that it connects to gaming. Somehow. I don't know. Sure. I don't know if we have to, you know, have to, it's but a I'm just saying we're, pretty, we're trying. We're trying. Like, uh, let me, sh- let me just tell everybody the last few episodes of mm-hmm. page, just to give them an idea of this podcast. Please. Um, It usually runs around 15 minutes and it's weekly. And let's say the last, last few beyond Arkanoid was one of the last ones we did. (laughs) The panel gushes over the eighties arcade games that captured their childhood imagination and broke their piggy banks. (laughs) One of our, uh, one of our patrons uh, responded. He's like my favorite in the Mm -hmm. penny parlor which is oh. apparently an Australian vernacular for arcade. Oh, <laughs> ah, cool. 
was the Hyper Olympics. What? I'm like, I don't even remember that. Was that even released in the U.S.? I don't know. I never heard of that one. Hyper Olympics? Nintendo had a game, had a a console game uh, about the Olympics. I wonder if that was maybe the Australian flavor of that game. You mean the one with the pad on the floor that you had to like run on and jump over hurdles and stuff? Yeah, and you had to throw a you had to throw a, a, a javelin for one. There was a hurdles, and there were a whole set of Olympic games. So I, I believe maybe that's what he's asking about. And that's the kind of thing you get on our bonus points. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you excited? Types of conversation. We do quiz shows. We I love the quiz shows when you guys can join in. You guys can always play along with us. We just did one called People versus Meeple, which was all about different meeples from different games. And uh, Evan started us off with a really good board game quiz. <laughs> Evan's quiz show was called Is Smell It a Game? That was the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are the kinds of questions you'll get on bonus points. And sometimes we might talk about you know, really off topic, but yeah, gaming adjacent stuff like buttonholes. And <laughs> <laughs> buttonhole bad. I'm not even going to try to explain that episode. You're just going to have to listen yeah. to it. <laughs> we need an episode just to explain that episode. <laughs> And the one we did today was pretty wild. So I, I don't think yeah. I'm going to give that You're one away. Special guest. Yeah. Well, we were we we were interviewed by a game component. <laughs> I mean, that, there's no do other you need way to say to put more it. than that. I mean, no. Uh, no. Or, look, you want to give? You want to no, talk more? No, that's good. That is plenty. If yeah. you want to know what it was, you'll have to become a supporter today. Do it. It's only $3 a month. That's all. It really helps the show. Absolutely. It is what keeps us going. It's what keeps the lights on so we can keep doing this and keep bringing you awesome, awesome episodes. We love our patrons. We talk to them all the time on Discord. We see them on our weekly uh, Thursday night shows. And we'd love it if you joined them. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank God. Thank you. Our next game up this week is Concept, designed by Gaetan Beaugenot and Alain Rivolet, published by Repos Productions in 2013, number of players 4 to 12, ages 10 and up, playtime 40 minutes. Okay, Mikey, what's in this box? On the cover of the box is a giant question mark comprised of a jumble of all sorts of seemingly random, uh, well, concepts? (laughs) (laughs) Inside, you'll discover 110 cards, a game board, five groups of pawns and cubes. The green ones are a question mark and 10 cubes, and the black, blue, red, and yellow are an exclamation mark and eight cubes. There are also 39 victory tokens, which are single and double light bulbs. Plus, four player aids and a storage bowl. And that's what's in the box. All right. Before we give you a thousand words to tell you about this picture game, Evan, tell us how it's played. In concept, your goal is to guess words through the association of icons. A team of two players choose a word or phrase that the other players need to guess. Now, we play it on Board Game Arena... And we played as individuals instead of teams, just so you know. A green-colored question mark token is used to denote the concept, and exclamation point tokens of other colors are used to denote subconcepts. Then there are the cubes. 
Cubes are color-coded either to the green question mark or to one of the exclamation points. The cubes reinforce the concepts or subconcepts. For example, <laughs> to get others to guess milk, the team might place the question mark icon on the liquid icon and then use cubes of this color, the green color, for food or drink or white. The first player to discover the word or phrase receives two victory points. If you're playing as teams, everyone on the team receives those points. And the player who ends up with the most points at the end of the game obviously wins. As Evan said, we played this on Board Game Arena. And it was a wild time because <laughs> we were also doing the live show. And yeah. our fans were uh, playing along with us. Which yeah. was a bit of a logistical challenge, but also a ton of fun. Right, because they're guessing answers and basically giving us answers, but we're the ones who are supposed to be guessing the <laughs> answers. So it's a little challenging when the audience participates like that. But at the same time, tons of fun. Yeah, it was so fun. And it really drove home the point that this is a party game. I feel like I would have had a lot more fun in person, being able to touch the pieces and see people's expressions better and stuff. But the advantage of playing it online with all those other people able to join us was really cool, too. I hope that the rules didn't seem complex. Oh, yeah. They're very simple rules. I mean, kind of a, a take on charades in a way. A visual charades. Yeah. A, a picture of charades. You kind mm. of had three different levels of icon strength. Right. So you could label mm -hmm. one icon more important than another one. And I thought that was very valuable. Yeah, it helped. Did it help enough? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could definitely drive you off the rails, though, because you have so many cubes that you can put down that you could end up like all of a sudden having eight <laughs> cubes on the board. I mean, on different yeah. pictures, what are people supposed to think at that yeah, point? Yeah, you have to be a little careful of saturation. You can't, you don't want to feed them too much information. <laughs> it can get confusing. Stuff might contradict other stuff. So you got to be uh, judgmental about what exactly it is you're mm -hmm. trying to express to the other players. And you got to know who you're expressing it to because some people <laughs> will see something completely different. And the more you know somebody, I think the better off you'll be that they understand your thinking and what you're trying to get them to. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm working on something. I mean, I'm trying to look for a subconcept that will help here, guys. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> White guys. aardvark. White antelope. White uh, yeah. Albino White chicken. Albino White chicken. Okay, albino okay, snake. Albino ostrich. Now, Moby Dick. <laughs> White animal attached to a brand. Oh, black zebra, and white. Zebra brand. Black and white. Zebra, uh, zebra brand tiger. comics. Done. Uh, black and white branded animal. Yes, Ooh, Mike. Yes. Yeah. Which part is the yes? Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> Something yeah, from so the it's newspaper? A, it's a drawing. So it's, yes. It's, it's, oh, it's like a comic. Promo. It's well, Snoopy. Like a yes. Yes. Peanuts. Yes, you, got it. you got it, Evan. You got Whoa, it. Snoopy. Yeah. I think that's the case with most of these types of intuition yeah. games, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I love how the games have so much non-communication as part of it, but the non-verbal cues are just hilarious. Like, oh, I think this one will work. I know. <laughs> yeah. You're, like you're, to... you're winking. You're like, you're, like, if you're not even saying that, you're kind of like, you can gingerly put it on there and you're like, well, is this gonna, you can kind of get, is that going to help or not just by the expression? Or when, or when somebody puts a word out there, you're kind of going, 
Yes. Oh. <laughs> you're not right, but you're in the right ballpark. Uh, no. In this game, you're only allowed to say yes. You're only allowed to say yes. But we That's broke it. that rule so bad. <laughs> oh, gosh, we broke Plus it. the facial expressions like Ed was talking about. It's like, how can you not like make a wincing face when you're like, I'm going to put this down on the skull and they're going to think I'm talking about death. <laughs> but I have no other choice. <laughs> instead of gross anatomy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, instead of brain surgery. <laughs> but some of these concepts, like, they have them broken down into three like categories of difficulty, but I mm-hmm. honestly don't think that those categories matter that much. Like some of the easy concepts seem super hard to explain with this board and yeah. vice versa. Mm-hmm. I think they were subjectively placed in those yeah, different right. and some of them were yeah, in the wrong and spot. It really for sure. depends on where they go too, because one they get something in their mind and they're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Man, it's hard to pull them out of that. Like, it really is. And then putting more cubes on the board can oftentimes harm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Too much information can be dangerous. But one of the nice features is you can take cubes off the board, too. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So important. Mm. I mean, you'd you'd get clobbered if if that weren't the case. You have to be able to make adjustments and give... Players who are going down the wrong path, a new a new path to, to kind of go down. And taking the cubes off is definitely part of that strategy. Yeah, that might be a way of communicating that you're going down the rabbit hole. You take all the cubes off the board and kind of like, <laughs> got over them. Start over. Well, you could use the cubes taking on and off to your advantage in other ways, too. Like if you're trying to tell somebody a dripping faucet, you could put it on water and then take it off and put it on and take it off again. <laughs> Ooh, that's There's so probably good. little tricks that you can do that we yeah. haven't really figured out yet. Now, Evan, what do you think about the order, placing the cubes down in a certain order? Do you think that would help? That is what I tried to do, to put more emphasis on the on the main themes, the main points, and then get more granular as I went. Mm-hmm. Also, it would, it would be easier for me to back out uh, and reapply the cubes necess- if necessary, um, with, and, as, because my main concept would still be the primary one. And I don't think there's a time limit on this game as far as I could see. So, you know, you could take your time until they get that first base concept and then kind of work your way out from there. Yeah, I think we, we had a sort of a self-imposed time limit. Yeah, we did. Oh, Jesus, yeah. is taking too long. And we, <laughs> and we were on the show, so we were like, okay, we want it to be forever. Right. But do you think the time limit of 40 minutes is right? Do you think that's correct? I mean, I think it's a ballpark. I don't think it's necessarily, uh, oh, it's going to take. 40 minutes. Yeah. Everything about this game is ballpark. <laughs> so one great point I read in the, the rule book you know, from the designers themselves in a little blurb, you know, talking about the victory points and all that, is that during our extensive testing, we eventually abandoned the point system and kept <laughs> only the pleasure of guessing and being guessed. So basically, it's saying, like, yeah, we put victory points in the game. We we dropped it ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't, bo- yeah. Don't bother. Yeah. The the purpose of this game is not to, you know, become a master of it and, you know, score the highest mm-hmm. points and declare victory. It's about having fun with people. It's about mm-hmm. the party. It's about the environment. It's sharing the experience with everyone. And that of course, I mean, that's exactly correct, I believe. Yeah. It's rare and I give them credit for just coming out and saying it. One of the one of the ones I had to try to get people to figure out was honeymoon. So I tried to do, <laughs> I remember it's that. so crazy, right? <laughs> so, so like I started off with, um, 
the main concept being a holiday or celebration of some kind. There's like right. a spot for that. Which, so, of course, we're just thinking Christmas, Thanksgiving. Yeah, of course, right. <laughs> right. They're going for the main holiday. They're going for holidays instead of events in general. Right. right? right. Um, oh. But then I tried to – then I was like, how do I do honeymoon? I got to break this down. So I said, let me start with honey. And I went uh, animal, black and yellow, <laughs> food. <laughs> like, okay, maybe they'll get honey from that and mm-hmm. I can work with it. So they'll say holiday with the word honey in it. Well, yeah, they got honey, but they didn't figure out honeymoon. <laughs> I eventually got honeymoon. Eventually, yeah, but, oh, eventually we got it when I finally did um, nighttime orb. Yes, nighttime orb. <laughs> yeah, the, the nighttime icon has a big crescent moon on it. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh. oh, okay, and yeah. The I know, I, and I waited so long to use that one. It has an actual moon on it, <laughs> but I went with night orb <laughs> instead. Oh, food. food. Okay. Food. Thanks. Thanksgiving. Supper. Last supper. Turkey. <laughs> Honey, okay, are we putting oh, honey Celeste, in this yes. food? Honey bee. Honey, What's honey? honey day. <laughs> honey honey, honey, honey uh, do melon. What holiday has honey in it? Right? Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, <laughs> honey holiday. Blue moon. Honey. Yes, Celeste, yes. Okay, blue moon, blue moon honey. Moon. Blue, blue honey, honey harvest moon. Honeymoon. Yay, oh, honeymoon. honeymoon. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Good God. <laughs> honeymoon? <laughs> but it worked out eventually well yeah. that speaks to the fact that there's a lot of pictures on this board yeah. i mean sometimes you're desperately looking for something and there's so much going on that it doesn't even occur to you oh yeah mm-hmm. because i'm stopping at every single picture looking at it like oh does this fit <laughs> oh does this fit oh, you know? i did the same thing and i was trying to do something about death and i just missed that there was a skull on there like i did <laughs> exactly Oh my god! It was helpful in the board game arena when you hovered over the icon. It gave you the, the little keyword that it might represent. That mm-hmm. is helpful. Yeah, that is helpful. Yeah, I don't think that happens in the real physical game though. They just oh, the there's just pictures. Physical there. game has a player aid that had that type of oh, stuff. Okay. Where they have all the iconographies, what what they represent. Ah, uh, that makes sense. There's also Concept Kids Animal, which is an animal based version to play with your kids. It's designed for kids age four and up. Talking about animals, and it's a cooperative game. Oh, that's really cool. That is cool. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury concept. Evan? Concept was hilarious and fun. This is one (laughs) of those games that really surprised me as to just how good it was. It was better than expected. An excellent party game. Dig it up. I'm so glad it was my pick. (laughs) Mike? I love this game. Anytime you get to flex your creative muscles and watch people fumble around with the concept <laughs> that you're trying to get across to them yeah. is always hilarious for me. So I definitely dig this up. Ed? This game was designed with party play in mind and very welcoming for non-gamers. Dig this up for when the concept of parties return to life. <laughs> <laughs> or play it on Board Game Arena. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here are my icons for this game. Okay. Family, (laughs) smiley face, Mm -hmm. shovel, arrow up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dig dig up. Right. (laughs) Easier than Luke, I am your father, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Is that one of the ones you have? That's one of them, yeah. Uh. If you have thoughts about concept, please come and talk to us. We're out there every day on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah.
Our last game up this week is Fleet, designed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle, published by Eagle Griffin Games in 2012. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 10 and up, playtime, 30 to 45 minutes. All right, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. The cover of Fleet sets you on Arctic waters with ships racing off to fish the icy depths and earn their annual salaries in just a few short months. <laughs> Beneath the surface, you'll find 96 boat cards for catching shrimp, lobster, cod, tuna, and king crab, as well as processing vessels. There are also 26 license cards, 4 player reference cards, 100 fish crates, and a starting player marker. And that's what's in the box. Before we find out if this game is smooth sailing, Evan, tell us how it's played. Fleet is a card game in which players are Canadian fisher people at the Arctic Ocean. It's cold up there, man. We have two types of cards. We have license cards, and then there are these multi-purpose cards, which act as boats, crew, or money. License cards are selected by auction, and you pay for them with your cards acting as money. Players will then launch vessels, but they can only launch a vessel if they have an appropriate license card. Makes sense. Your boat needs a captain if that boat is going to go fishing. So, play your card as a captain card if need be. Now, a boat can hold for a fish, and fish on boats are worth victory points. The license cards themselves offer various bonuses, and licenses can stack. So, the more of one type of license, the better the rewards. The player who best manages their resources and acquires the most victory points via fish, licenses, and boats will build the strongest fleet and lead their crew to Arctic victory. <laughs> Time to fit the Atlantic. Yeah. Avast. Avast. They're all pirates all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between a sea captain and a pirate? I mean, nope. not much, nope. really. Nobody knows. It's the licenses. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. The letter of Mark? Letter the letter of Mark. Of Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pirate. I have a letter of Mark here. Their expressions and their mannerisms. You know? yeah, it's yeah. hard to tell the difference. Yarr. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's a fine tradition, that voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we played this on Board Game Arena. This game's been mm -hmm. around a long time, which is why, how it ended up in our third segment. Mm -hmm. And uh, we played on BGA. What did you guys think of the look and feel on BGA? I thought the representation on BGA was relatively good. Uh, you got the, the the description of all the card abilities. You get to keep track of you know, how many points and cubes you have on it. The rule mm -hmm. block can help a lot. The mouse over helped a lot, too, mousing over the cards for descriptions. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, BGA does a great job with, with presenting their games there for uh, ease of use, setup, and the rules locking is, is key. And you don't have to clean up. The mouse over text is key because uh, you know the you can't really size up the images too much. So if something gets a little small, you can hover over it and read what it means. Yeah, there's some tiny font there. <laughs> yeah, there are there. It is tiny. I wonder it, how it would look in the game. I mean, the physical copies, uh, you could at least hold the card closer to you, but it doesn't look too uh, overfilled. That's what I like about these cards. Yeah. They're not. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of information. I thought it was very nicely streamlined um ed what did you think of the art 
They, they went with a really old-fashioned style to the look of it. They're, in some cases, it's a little subdued, but there's enough color here to you know, like, hey, this is the boat, and it looks neat, and you know? a little bit of the symbology has a bit of color just to tell you what it means. Like, fish are blue, yay. The contracts are like these old tacked-up parchment paper contracts. Mm-hmm. That's what they look yeah, like. Yeah, like yellowing paper <laughs> and like curling edges and stuff. <laughs> Something right. you'd find in a restaurant for, like, their original license or something like that. <laughs> but even more weathered. <laughs> weathered. That's the good word yeah. for it. Weathered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's For me, I don't know. The colors weren't really used that effectively, to be honest. Like, on the cover, we see this exciting action shot of these ships, like, flying out. But then when you look at most race, of the cards clearly. you're looking at during the game, you're seeing, like, this sepia-colored license for cod or tuna or shrimp. And they all kind of just look exactly the same as each other. And the, there are pictures of the boats on the uh, multi-use cards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they are, you know, I will say they're not action-packed. That's true. Mm-hmm. It it mm-hmm. struck me as a subtle game all around. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the theme then. When I, when I think of fishing, right, I think that there's going to be some luck and some randomness, you know, like you go to a spot and hopefully it's good. Uh, but the only randomness came really is when you get in your license because you know what the results are going to be after you have your different licenses. Yeah. So I didn't feel that, you know, excitement of what fishing must feel like. Uh, for me, the the fishing part of it was a hoping to get the right license. Of course, there's a big auction part of the game there. Great that you have a license for tuna, but if you don't have any tuna boats in your hand, ah. Yeah. But is that more exciting than you drop your net and pull up a bunch of fish in it and see how many you got and if you caught anything weird? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I liked the aspect of you get what you get and you don't get upset. Right? <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to make do with what's there. And I thought that was on theme. This mm. is supposedly a new bay that's been discovered in the Nunavut area of the Arctic Ocean. That's mm-hmm. the theme. Mm-hmm. That's the background of the theme. And you're all kind of in a race and it's just chaos up there because everybody's coming up to get these licenses. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. feel like that was on theme, you know, oh boy, I'm just going to have to make do, you know, right. and scrape by. And uh, you see so many fishing movies and things about people on fishing boats and how hard it is and, uh, you know, and and it felt yeah. tough. To, it felt tough to succeed. And I thought that yeah. was on theme. And I think that's what's wonderful about the multi-use cards. I always enjoy games to have cards you can do different things with. Like, oh, I can. It, it's a currency. I can use it to pay for stuff. It's a captain. It's a boat. Yeah. You know? So what you do with each card, you have to decide. And I'm like, oh, it's like, ooh, I kind of want to pay for it. But, <laughs> uh, win that auction. But man, yeah, I, I need this card to be my boat, though. I, I, when I was reading the rules and I'm looking at the cards and I'm trying to form, you know, I have a plan A and then I have a plan B as a backup. <laughs> That's my normal strategy. I couldn't figure out which is the best plan A to go with. <laughs> it's, it, it, for me, it was I had to start playing the game and get into it before I could really figure out if I made a good choice or not. So I found it a little tough to, uh, to decide kind of ahead of time which direction to go. Yeah, I learned kind of quickly that it's play or die. You know, you got to get those cards out there because if you just try to hang on to the ideal thing that you're going for, you're just going to fall behind. Oh, way Mm -hmm. behind, way behind. It is like get stuff on the table, put it Mm -hmm. out in your tableau no matter what. I I paused and it totally crushed me. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's rough. It's one of these games where even if you read the rule book, 
you don't know how it necessarily plays until you play it. So that's why I had a, a huge advantage. I played the physical version way before and a couple of times on board game arena. So I already understand how the ebb and flow of the game works. So when I'd seen opportunities come up, I was able to shift gears and get to them and understand that how important, say, the, the processing plant was because boats are only limited to four fish each. And like, well, you, you don't want to waste fish. You got you to gotta throw them in and get money out of them, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize early on, like, you know, Ed might have known this, but I didn't realize it, that King Crab is kind of a, like, an end game sort of point <laughs> buildup rather than something you, like, kind of fish for dur- throughout the game to earn your fish and money. All right, I'll bid five on this thing. That's right. Because if you win it, you will have card-like powers. Six for card. 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 (laughs) Fishing wars. I'm a king crabber now. Yeah, you are the king crab. I'll give you that. Oh, that was the worst Boston accent. It's your turn. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe I can talk like a pirate to make up for the difference. I'm letting... (laughs) I don't have a New England accent, even though I'm from Connecticut. Yar. Yar. (laughs) And there's a couple of trap cards in a way that they're the big building that you can buy. And like, yeah, there are a lot of victory points on them, but yeah. Yeah. they don't do anything except for give you victory points. So yeah. they're, they're also kind of an end game thing, but they're mm-hmm. so attractive. Like, wow, look how many victory points. I might buy that now, right? Yeah. 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 You waste a lot of resources trying to get a tavern or something like that mm-hmm. out there. Um, yeah. it's not a good choice. Unlike in Taverns and Tiefenthal, where going for those big victory points seem to pay off well, like going for royalty. In this game, strategy tip, don't bother. <laughs> Get them late when you're when you're wrapping everything up. Spend your last turn or two. Yeah, those it's, big it's one of those. Uh, again, I love engine building games, and it's like you got to build your engine and then get the victory point. Mm-hmm. And the trick is knowing when to switch gears. Right. <laughs> we were so mad at Ed for playing this game ahead of us because <laughs> oh, that's it's right. because it's a Thursday night game and the whole point of the Thursday night game on uh on streaming is that we are going through a first time playthrough. Ed, you violated the spirit of the show. <laughs> yeah, and and he crushed us because of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Not that he wouldn't have crushed us anyway, but true. <laughs> now we have something to blame. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. <laughs> Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury fleet. Ed? Well, the, the, the look of the game might not be particularly flashy. I have played this game several times, and each time enjoying fishing for the right combo to get my fleet steaming at full speed ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to dig this up. That's some enthusiasm right there. I just there. imagine Ed wow. with his little captain's hat on. <laughs> <laughs> Out there pulling up nets. Mike? By looking at the cover, I kind of expected the excitement of the three R's, randomness with risk and rewards. Uh, this game didn't dredge that up for me. Hmm. So I have to bury it. Evan? Fleet is accessible. Not too difficult to follow, but trying to establish a clear path to victory seemed a bit elusive. I'm sure with more plays like Ed, uh, certain patterns <laughs> will unfold. I didn't have a problem with the game, but I'm, I'm going to bury it because it just didn't grab me. And I had the opposite effect on me. The theme was a real grabber for me. Um, I really right away wanted to get out there and try to make a living fishing. 
Uh, and it was hard. It was as hard as I expected to do it. And I do think that it speaks to the experience that a fisherman needs to really <laughs> succeed. So yeah, I'd play this game multiple times if you want to get any good at it. But I'm willing to do that. I liked the look of the game too. Dig it up. Celeste was definitely a, a captain in her previous life. She loves the <laughs> Yar. <laughs> Yar. Is that what Yar. we're supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> If you have thoughts about Fleet, we would love to hear from you. Come talk to us on Facebook or Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Come and chat with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. And if you would like exclusive content from us, including our patron-only podcast, Bonus Points. then just go to our website and click on become a supporter today if you get a chance please leave us a like a rating a review a heart a smiley face a shout out anywhere it really helps us grow do it in multiple places do it everywhere you go (laughs) and thanks so much for listening everybody land ho where away I am the king crab Aww, the doomlings are so cute. <laughs> Too bad they're gonna die. Boy. <laughs>